Hello and welcome to Killing It the Crimecast. I'm Lux. And I am Sam. And this is our murder podcast. <laughs> is it a thing now that you say it like that every time? Well, I accidentally said it in the first episode, so I feel like we should just keep I like it. Murder. So, do you uh, have any housekeeping? I do have a little update on the case of the murder of Sophie uh, Sophie Leonette, yeah. who was the um, nanny who was her body was found burned in the couple that she was nannying for in their backyard. That was your uh, mini episode story. Yeah, it was. So the trial is going on at the moment and there's just a bit of an update with what's going on in the trial. Um, evidence has come out that Sabrina Coudier's ex-boyfriend was Mark Walton, the ex-member um, of Boyzone. Mm-hmm. And she essentially became obsessed with the idea that Sophie was conspiring with him and that he'd come into the house and drugged and sexually abused members of the household. Jesus. Yeah, just weird stuff like that. And they interrogated her for hours. Um, they made her do a confession video where, in which she looked emaciated. Oh my God. And that was shown to the jurors. They also played a bunch of snippets of mobile phone recordings where Sophie is being shouted at by Sabrina, like saying stuff like, um, Sophie, you're a pedophile. I can smell the sex on you. All of this bollocks. Just And she, she said, you destroy everything. I was trying to find myself again. I pray to God not, not to make me touch you i don't want to make my hands dirty oh my god she sounds insane so she yeah but that's not to say that she murdered her right yeah but mr maduni who was sabrina's partner who was the other member of this couple who was being nannied for right he actually made a statement a confession oh yeah are you ready i'm I'm ready he initially said that there was an accident while sophie was being interrogated in the bathtub Already weird, right? Very. He said that he punched her. He forced her into the bath, started to interrogate her, forced her head under water, held it there repeatedly, punched her in the face, and then her head went backwards from the punch, hit the tiles, and she slipped under the water and fell unconscious. He dragged her out of the bath, tried to resuscitate her, but was unsuccessful. Oh my God. So that's his story, but it gets worse. He then retracted this statement, and he said that he only did it to to protect Sabrina. So this is a classic case of two people being involved in a crime together and then one person turns on the other and the other one's like, well, I'm not covering for you anymore. I'm not covering your ass. So obviously Sabrina did something that meant he didn't want to protect her anymore. And he retracted his statement and actually said that he was asleep. Sabrina came in, woke him up and said, Sophie's in the bath, she stopped breathing. Oh my God. So that's his latest statement and I'm more inclined to believe that. Yeah. Um... In Although an, that does completely sort of get rid of any blame on him. Like he retracts his story no, that's incriminating. No, 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 because he definitely, they did abuse her beforehand. Yeah, but like for murder. For, yeah, that's true. It exonerates him for murder. Um, the, do you remember in the minisode, I said there was evidence that she was being held, held hostage, but there wasn't evidence of the abuse yeah. that was in the article title? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the evidence. Okay. The pathologist was unable to confirm the cause of death because of the burns to the body because she was her body was burned after she died. But she had five fractured ribs and her breastbone was fractured up to three days before her death. Oh my God. Closer to her death, she also had bruises, a broken jaw, a possible cheekbone fracture and blood in Sophie's nostrils indicate blunt force trauma. Oh my God. Wow, that's a lot of evidence of torture. Yeah, so... Um, we will keep you posted on how this trial goes and 
yep, that's currently happening at the moment in the Old Bailey in London, which is where we are. That's so, so crazy. It's I mean, we're not in the Old Bailey. Stuff. No, no, obviously. But yeah, in London, but yeah, that, that is insane. It, it's a, an, it sounds like this couple absolutely tortured this poor woman. Christ. And it's horrible, but fascinating. I want yeah. them to get to the bottom of it. I want to find out what actually happened. Yeah, for sure. So that's my housekeeping. Good. Yeah, I, I don't have any housekeeping. All right. I'm all good. Should we get started? Yeah, um, do you want to go to cut my voice a little bit? <laughs> yeah. <for> dinner? <laughs> Quick edit out of nowhere. Uh, during the recording of this, we completely forgot to do our content warning, so we're just going to do them now. My warning, can, uh, my story contains uh, child death and uh, some sexual assault. And mine has child death as well and abduction. Enjoy. Yeah, sure, I'll go first. Um, right, um, so I've got a guy. I've got a fella, a good old a serial killer. Oh, you've got a fella, do you? Got a fe- yeah, I've got a fella. You jealous? <laughs> um, I've got a serial killer named Robert Black. He was a Scottish serial killer who killed at least minimum four girls between 1981 and 1986 and assaulted many, many more. Um, I say at least because those are the only ones we know about, but I, I believe he definitely committed more right. murders. Uh, during the years of his killing, he was based in London. He lived in London, but he killed home all over. Boy. Yeah, home lad. All over the country. He killed all over the country. So he was UK based. He didn't. Yeah, UK based. Didn't leave the island. No, island. No, he, he was. Uh, he was uh, landlocked. So he definitely wasn't a pirate <laughs> then. He's not a city. Um, right. So his early life. He was born on the twenty first of April. He was born uh, as an illegitimate son to his mother Jessie Hunter Black, uh, which is a really, really cool name. It's a sweet name. And a father who remains unknown. Uh, that's not his name. Uh, <laughs> his mum tried to have him adopted, but it didn't happen fast enough, and she ended up moving to Australia before he was adopted. So he was just left. There. He was just left, and he, he was put into a care home. He was just left. Oh, okay. I thought that you were going to say she tried to get him adopted, but it didn't work. So it was just like, so he grows up, and she's just like, yeah, I tried to get rid of you, but no one wanted you. It's so like, you're here now. It's like waiting for an Amazon pa- for an Amazon package, but you have to go to work, and you're just like, come on, you said between two and three, <laughs> and you're sort of just waiting there. And it's like, nope, too late. I'm leaving the kid. Um, he was eventually given to the care of the Tulip family, who were an experienced foster family. Experienced foster family. Uh, we will see that. Uh, experienced doesn't necessarily mean good. Oh no, I was rooting for them. The last name Tulip. That's I know, it's adorable. a great name. Uh, he took their surname, but obviously after the crimes, they didn't want to be associated with him. Damn. And uh, I think he actually changed it back to black. Uh, oh my, back to black. <laughs> uh, later in his life. Uh, as a kid, he was very antisocial. He had multiple fights with other kids, vandalized school property. He was seen as like a bully, a bit of a bullying kid to younger kids during mm. a lot of his school career. The uh, the Tulip family were very clean, uh, but Black seemed to completely ignore that. His hygiene was really, really bad, which led to his childhood nickname, Smelly Bobby Tulip. Oh, I love it! I mean, I, I, okay, it's not as imaginative as, like, uh, Reggie Nodick. Or oh, can't, can't, can't get it, Christy. Yeah, can't do it, Christy. Can't do it, Christy, that was it. But it's, um, it's just adding the word smelly in front of his name. Do you think the fact that he was antisocial added to his lack of hygiene? I mean... Because you always, you always have that buddy who's like, dude, you kind of... Yeah, but it's. You've it's got to I think out. it's. A, I think it's part of it. It's sort of like a like a complete not not caring. It's a complete sort of ambivalence to other people's perception of you. So he doesn't really care. So he doesn't maintain his appearance. Mm. Um, this is a this is a pretty important point here. Um, at age five, I, now I got like, quite excited when I read this. 
Um, at age five, Black and a girl his age compared genitalia. Oh, that no. excited you, did it? No, 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 didn't That excited me. you? Five-year-olds comparing right. genitalia? All right, cool it. Uh, nothing crazy about that. When you were a kid, you were just like, what's in your trousers? It's not what's in my trousers. You know, that sort of stuff. But this is um, a very formative experience for Black because it triggered a belief that he was meant to have been born a woman. Oh. And I got quite interested because there's not a lot of stories about transgender serial killers. Yeah, you've got Otis Tool, right? Yeah, Otis Tool, and that's just a... That's, that's a just maybe. A, that's a maybe, mm. you know? So I was like, oh my gosh, and I kept continue reading, but I don't believe that this was a transgender serial killer. Uh, the reason well, for this... Well, a, a lot of the time, actually, if I can just interject, a lot of the time, um, girls... Okay, vagina owners will see penis owners and will be like oh my god i'm missing something why don't i have that thing that is there and so they're like oh i wish i had a penis like i should have that and penis owners look at vagina owners and this is obviously when everyone's like a child yeah, yeah, right look at vagina owners and go oh my god why do i have this extra thing that's so weird it shouldn't be here yeah. so a lot of the time you get like penis envy and vagina envy just because it's like oh what is this doing here or why isn't that here so it yeah very well could just be a case of that and it, it, it's kind of a childhood belief it didn't seem to follow in but my i i i believe that it was part of his psychosis his early onset psychosis um because he doesn't ever exhibit any actions or doesn't really open about a belief that he should have been born a woman and does he it's, dress in... no he just dresses like a male like a sort of male like, right. passing individual and also he is obsessed with like female genitalia and as a child he could have rationalized it in the way of like i want that yeah in a, in a strange way. So uh, he's not one of the first transgender serial killers I've found. I would love to, if anyone has a story about that, I think that's really interesting because oh, different yeah. demographics of serial killers are really interesting. That would be really good. We've got um, an email address, actually. It's killingitthecrimecast at gmail.com. Please send us in your transgender yeah, just, serial killers. We or any other that. serial killers. It'd be awesome. Or any other that you want to cut the, yeah. Um, so uh, continuing on with Black's childhood, uh, people recall seeing him with bruises all over his face and think uh, it was from his foster mother. Again, the tulips not experienced doesn't mean good. Uh, Black was a chronic bedwetter, classic serial killer. It's because um, obviously serial killers, there's the, the, the triad, which is mm -hmm. bedwetting, animal mutilation and setting fires. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't have any information about the other two, but this one, absolutely chronic bedwetter. Yeah. Did he get um, shamed for it? Uh, he is quoted as saying that his foster mother would beat him every time he wet the bed. Mm, classic. Uh, that is like, that is like, Ticking boxes of yep. is this person going to be a serial killer? Andre Chikatilo, like everyone, Andre Chikatilo, son of Sam, like all of oh, these. Oh, Jerry Brudos. Jerry Brudos. All of these people were chastised for wetting the bed. Yeah. Um, so by 1958, he's like he's like 11 now. He moves to a different foster home. This is because both the tulips died. Uh, it's unclear about what happened, but basically he got moved because they died. Like, okay. th there's not a lot of information on that. Um. Very soon after moving into his new home, Black committed his first sexual assault. So wait, how old is he at this point? 11. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Uh, while out with his new foster mother, this is messed up, he dragged a girl into a public bathroom and fondled her. Uh, I hate the word fondled because it's like too gentle. He, he assaulted her. That's he absolutely did. An 11-year-old? How can you have such a loss of innocence? What has to happen to somebody for that to... Innocence to be lost at 11. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's horrific. We, it's it's so, so other to us. His foster mother then obviously being like, this kid's fucked up. Or like, this kid's fucked up. I can't, <laughs> nice. I can't do it. That was a bad phrase. Uh, she was the one who reported the crime. Good. Uh, good yeah, good. Her. And demanded that he be removed from her home. Good also. Her request was understandably granted. And Black was put into a mixed sex children home in Falkirk. 
No. Yeah. Oh, this didn't go well. No. He frequently exposed himself to girls and he once forcibly removed the underwear of a girl. He's like 11, 12. Like literally he's like on the cusp of 12. Fucking hell. Uh, because of this, he was moved into Red House Care Home. This was like a borstal, like a young boy's hu- super high discipline. Good. Boys That's only. what should have happened in the yeah. first place. Well, okay, hold hold mm. off on that. Boys only home. Uh, unfortunately, it was in this establishment that for the three years he was there, he was sexually assaulted regularly by a senior male member of staff. Oh. And was forced to, put, to perform fellatio on his abuser. So I retract my previous yeah, statement? Yeah, I feel like you probably should. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. Good. Uh, good. This is also a bit messed up, but in a weird, funny way, I realised that the phrase staff member is comprised of two words for that mean penis. Oh. Yeah. Someone's a clever boy. Yeah, Illuminati. No, that is brilliant, though, actually. Yeah, I'm a staff member. It's like saying I'm a dick cock. <laughs> um, unfortunately, yeah, so that he was sexually abused for three years, uh, which is which is horrific. So, yeah. Um he attended the uh, Musselboro Grammar School where his classmates referred to him as taciturn without many friends. So mm-hmm. clearly this this place, the Red House Care Home, had a profound effect on him because he's turned from like a bully to like a taciturn, quiet, reclusive young boy. Oh my God. Yeah, what absolutely. Kid. I mean, I'm saying that now. I mean, at the time, he's just a kid who's confused. You yeah, know, he's that's, an 11 year old kid who has a fascination with female genitalia. And that, you know, at this point, it, we like to believe he still could have been saved. Yeah. In, uh, in 1963, he left the care home when he was 16, uh, moved to another boy's, ho- uh, another boy's care home in Greenock or Greenhock. I, I feel really Say bad. Say in an accent. Greenock. That works. Got a job as a delivery boy for a butcher shop. Uh, he later said that while he had this job, he fondled up to 40 young girls when he called on houses. Fuck's sake, Normally man. when they answered the door alone. Um, so obviously you can see the ex- escalation here from exposure. Top tip, everyone. Get peepholes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, but the thing is, like, you know, you order some meat and the butcher, young butcher boy comes and delivers it. You open the door. Like, peepholes, it's not like he's standing out there, like, holding, like, have, like squeezing his fingers in a, I want to grab your boobies. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a boy, like, holding some, well, holding his meat. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just a boy, like, standing there. Yeah, but I feel like a young girl answering the door alone, unless it, unless, if you look through the peephole and it's not one of your mates, don't fucking open that door. Or just say, like, leave the ham. I'll slide the money under the door. Yeah, something and off like you that. Pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, th- so now we move on to uh, his first conviction. Uh, this is during the summer of the same year, 1963. So around 16. Uh, Black discovered a seven-year-old girl playing in the park alone. Oh my God. No. He, lured, he lured her out to a nearby bomb shelter left over from the war. And the promise that he had, with the promise that he had found a group of kittens. To be fair, that would work on me. Yeah, Even I know now as an adult. That's why I fear for your safety every time you walk through parks. There's someone going to be like, hello, little girl. Do you like kittens? Which I, I literally do daily. You'd just be like, he'd be like, hello, little girl. And you'd be like, oh, God, this guy's creepy. Do you like kittens? Take me to you. Take me to them. <laughs> yes, I'll get in your My babies. I'll get in your van. <laughs> <laughs> just so, so horrible. Uh, Black, oh, God, I've got to pull the mood down. Black then strangled the girl until she passed out and then masturbated over her body. Very, very clear escalation. Um, she's completely survived. Okay. She, she, no, she, did, she wasn't killed. Okay. Um, he was arrested for this and charged with just lewd and libidinous behavior. Isn't it lewd and lascivious? No, no, no. Lascivious is like malice. Libidious is like sexual. Yeah, that's it. Literally, he was just fucking charged for being too horny and not for strangling a young girl. 
until she passed out. abduction and assault. Yeah. And he was only charged for like being too horny. And he should have been put... I I reckon that warrants being put on a sex offenders registry. Well, he wasn't. Um... He underwent a psychiatric evaluation and it suggested that it was an isolated incident and it wouldn't happen again. They were wrong. They were wrong. But I guess at the time he knew how to deal with it. Uh, He was admonished for the crime. Now, I had to look up what admonished was and it turns out I'm not an idiot. It's actually a very specific word. It's a specific Scottish law phrase, which means the defendant is found guilty, but there's no punishment. No fine. I'm sorry. No warnings. What the fuck? Yeah. No fine. No warnings. It's basically a thing that goes like, you did the crime and you get like a verbal discipline, which is literally like naughty. I'm sorry. It's like, listen here, fella, you've been a naughty wee lad. Uh, not going to stand for it. But obviously, <laughs> we're not going to do anything to you. Yeah. Consider that's your verbal punishment. <laughs> Can I just ask, literally what crime warrants that admonishment? A, cr- a crime that doesn't seem to be horrific. Like, okay, and now, now I know in hindsight we're looking at this as a bad thing, but think about it. This is the 60s. This is a 16-year-old boy in rural Scotland. The girl survived. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I, I know it's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous, but you have to put it into context. No, but in the context, what happens is when you're a minor and you commit crimes, it goes on your record, and then after a period of time, it gets erased. Well, well it was recorded... Mm. But I don't think it was on a criminal record. As in, it was on a record of criminality, but it wasn't on his. I mean... I, I, no, I know. But in context, just... Just, just you, to be clear, I am not defending no, this No, I decision. know, but I'm just so shocked. So I just want to talk about this a little bit. Like, you literally dropped a cigarette butt on the floor because there wasn't a, like, bin thing near you. Oh, yeah, you, that's true. I remember this. And you got a fine for it by a police officer. Yeah, £75. This guy strangles a seven-year-old girl after luring her away from where she was and then masturbates over her bo- uh, over her unconscious body. And he gets nothing. And you had to pay £70 for dropping a cigarette butt. Yeah, it was messed up. That's fucked up. I know, I know, I know. I completely agree. Let's carry on. My anger agree. is just... I'm merely, I'm merely explaining, like, why this happened. I'm not justifying it. No, no, I know. So, yeah, the crime is recorded and they are, quote, verbally disciplined. And then that's it. Mm, um, just black- a slap on the wrist. Yeah, not even that. A verbal slap on the wrist. <laughs> like, it's like a Scottish man going, like, prepare to be verbally disciplined. You didn't hit me. That was the verbal discipline. <laughs> I verbally slapped you. <laughs> Um, so Black moved to town and uh, he began lodging with an elderly married couple. Uh, in 1966, this is three years later, he's 19 now, uh, his landlords discover, this is so messed up, his landlords discover that Black has been molesting their nine-year-old granddaughter whenever she came to visit the house. Mm. Yeah, so obviously they immediately kicked him out. Yeah, did they um, press charges? No, they decided not to, specifically because they wanted their granddaughter to be spared any more trauma from oh, having to, like, testify in court. That's fair enough. Uh, they didn't want her to have to go through that. Yeah. Um, so Black soon moved back to the old town and moved in with another married couple, uh, a couple who happens to have a six-year-old daughter. No. Yeah. Uh, please, we- please let this story just flip and he ends up mentoring her and nothing bad ever happens again in this whole tale. Yeah, this turns into the basis for the remake of The Karate Kid. <laughs> he teaches her how to defend herself against attackers by doing performing menial tasks around the house. Perfect. Yeah, of course. The end. Should I tell my case now? <laughs> no, that's not true. Within a year, the couple accused Black of molesting their daughter. Of course. Uh, Black pled guilty to three counts of indecent assault against the child and is sentenced to a year in Polmont Borstal. 
This is a facility which is specialized in rehabilitation of extremely troubled young offenders. Okay. Um, I'm comfortable with this. Now, you're about to be more comfortable with it because of how uncomfortable he was. Uh, this year is very lacking in information. Uh, in subsequent interviews after his capture, Black would speak like really openly about aspects of his life, the abuse and the assaults, but he literally refused to ever say a word about Polmont Borstal. Never a word. Do we know why? No. We, he would talk, we assume it's because he was severely uh, assaulted and abused. While he was oh there. really? Yeah, he he literally openly speaks about his abuse at the uh, grammar school where he was abused mm-hmm. uh, at the care home where he was abused by a member of staff, but he never speaks about this place. It's one year of his life that is just a blank space because he will refuse to speak about it. Um, so soon after his release in 1968, Black moved to London. Uh, he started living in a bedsit near King's Cross. Uh, he began to collect photos of young girls. This began... That he took? Or? This began as just magazines mm. and sort of like pictures he took in a park. Um, but through a shady dude he met near King's Cross, he expanded this collection to images and videos of girls being uh, sexually abused. Was it literally... This- I, I know it's not funny, sexual abuse isn't funny, but I'm just picturing a guy like opening up this trench coat and being like, you want to buy a picture? You want a bad picture? Ah, kid. You want to see these little girls? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so sad. Um, So, in 1972, aged 25, he was a regular at the Three Crowns pub in Stamford Hill, where he was a very proficient darts player. Ooh. He got very good at darts. Should we go to that pub? Little podcast trip? I'd kind of love to go to that pub. Should we do it tonight? No, no, no. no, no, no. We're going elsewhere tonight to get drunk. While he was a regular at this pub, he met a Scottish couple who he ended up lodging with in their attic. What is it with him and lodging with couples? Was, just the, was this just what people did? I think so, yeah. He's just he's a young guy. Uh, he's about 25. He's just like, it's cheap. He lived in their attic. Uh, the couple described him as unproblematic. Uh, he was quite reclusive. They suspected he was watching porn, but they didn't think it was paedophilic or child porn. Mm-hmm. Um my, my, like, I love that that sounds normal, but when you think about it, they go like, yeah, we suspect he's watching porn. And he's just like, right, I'm going to bed. Good night, guys. Dum, bum, 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 bum. Slam. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I'm done. That's my, that was the whole bit. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, he would live with the couple until he was caught in 1990. He lived there for 18 years. What the Fuck. I know. It's pretty crazy. So what? Uh, yeah, he lived there until he was hella old. This is a crucial point. Uh, Black set himself up for what I'm sure he was fantasizing about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, his murder. He obviously wanted to escalate. He became a long distance delivery driver who delivered for a company that like printed posters. Shit, and, like yeah, Chikatilo. Yeah, printed posters and billboards. Well, Chikatilo became a traveling. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. yeah. Chikatilo was able to travel all over Russia, which made him so difficult to, so difficult to catch. Mm-hmm. Very similar with this man. Mm-hmm. With Robert Black. Um, he delivered for a company that printed posters and billboards. Um, oh, Chikatilo would have been an excellent choice for the game. Oh, yeah, the, the serial killer fool. game. Yeah, I know. Where you ask me what serial killer, what like big name serial killers my serial killer Oh my gosh, and Chikatilo abused young girls as well. Yeah, oh well, my mainly God, young boys. So oh, buds. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Chikatilo, yeah, actually, is very similar to Andre Chikatilo. Great, right. amazing, uh, brutal, crazy story about Chikatilo. Like, mm. Definitely, if we you not, haven't we heard might do it as a special at some I point. I think we could should definitely do it as a yeah. special. 
Um, yeah, so he he became a long distance delivery driver who delivered for a company that printed posters and billboards, uh, many times driving around with multiple posters of pop stars. So potentially a way to lure young girls in. Oh right, I see. I was like, why why did you pause there? Like it was yeah, relevant. Like, it was like, <laughs> like gravitas. Uh, he owned multiple pairs of glasses that he would change all the time. He would oh, frequently. Yeah. I'm wearing different glasses now. Who am I? It's the Clark Kent effect. Yeah. Um, he, so yeah, and he would frequently change his appearance to make him as unidentifiable as possible. So he'd like shave his head or then let it grow, shave his beard, different beard styles. Very Bundy. Yeah, Cheeky also Bundy. Bundy. Um, he would accept these crazy long driving jobs that other people who had like families and spouses that they wouldn't take because it's like, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a week and a half just driving. Mm. Um, so he bought a van and he put up black curtains on the windows of the van. Literally a white and, van. Uh, so he had his excuse to be driving around at all times of night, random times, a van with blacked out windows full of like posters that young children would find appealing and all his disguises, uh, he was ready to commit his first murder. Ugh. So we're going to get into it. This is quite a long one, but I hope you enjoy. No, that that wasn't exasperation at like, why are you still talking? It was it was me going, oh, like it just made the preparation bits are the bits that creep me out the most. Because the thing is, when you listen to a lot of true crime stuff, like podcasts and you read newspapers and you watch any sort of tv basically you sort of become desensitized to oh he stabbed her 36 times you're yeah. like that's brutal but whatever yeah it's the preparation it's the, it's the preparation the f- is the creepy bit it's the fact that they're like planning yeah you and know, they're like, like, like i've got my van like i've me, blacked out the window me packing a suitcase and i'm going like right i'm going to somewhere sunny i should take these he's going like right i want to catch a five-year-old i should take these yeah it's, it's just fucking creepy right so we've got a few murders to get through it's quite a lot of detail so i'm going to try and get through it do it uh, Black's first murder was a nine-year-old girl named Jennifer Cardi from County Antrim in Northern Ireland. Um, again, moving all over the country. So this yeah. Nor- Northern Ireland, like the peak of Northern Ireland from London, that's a long He'd way. He'd have to get a ferry, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. That's a long way. Uh, she, Her mother last saw her at 1.40pm on the 12th of August 1981 as she was cycling to a friend's house. She never arrived. Her bike was found six hours later covered in leaves. The kickstand of the bike was down, so it was assumed she stopped to talk to Black. And then he picked her up in his van. Uh, A search party of 200 people followed this uh, finding of the bike, but they found nothing. Mm. On the 18th of August, so six days later, some hunters discovered Cardi's body in a reservoir 26 kilometers from her house. She had very evident signs of sexual abuse. Uh, The coroner noted her cause of death as drowning but ligature marks suggest she was being strangled at the same time. Her time of death is officially 5.40pm, four hours after she was last seen, because that's the time her watch stopped. That's so sad. I know, it's really horrible. So it got smashed or something as he was like... Well, it her. got wet, because her, her oh my God. cause of death was drowning. Yeah. Oof. Right, I'm going to move on, because you're getting real sad. Mm, children, man. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, his second murder was six months after Cardi. I thought you were going to say six month old, and I was like, no, damn, no. no, no. no. <laughs> Uh, no babies. Months, six months after the murder of Cardi on the 30th of January. His victim was 11-year-old Susan Clare Maxwell in Cornhill-on-Tweed, which is on the English border of Scotland. Okay. Um, or the Scottish border of England. One of the two. It's near Scotland and England. Right, yeah. Um, this, this, this is a really good example of how it shows like how he travelled. I mean, they, they tend to be up north or like Northern Ireland, border of Scotland. Um, but like... His first murder was in Northern Ireland and his second was right down in the very south of Scotland. 
there are 224 miles between the two. Yeah, so... Including a ferry ride. So that makes it difficult it's, for, it's like, for the police, It's obviously. not ridiculous. It's like a six-hour drive, give or take. But for a serial killer, the vast majority of whom kill within a mile of where they live, it's really rare and it's really hard to catch. Um, so, uh, Maxwell uh, was abducted at 4.30pm after playing tennis with a friend. Uh, the next day, another giant search party of 300 police officers and dogs were sent out to look for her. Uh, they found nothing. But several people they spoke to said they had seen a white van parked nearby at the time. Uh, Maxwell's body was found eventually almost seven months later. Seven months? Seven months later by a lorry driver. Uh, in America, it's a goddamn truck. Truck driver. No, lorries and trucks are different, 18-wheeler. Well, trucks in America are like anything that's big and on wheels. In England, a truck and a lorry are kind of the same thing, but people say lorries. Goddamn lorry. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It's like, get in my goddamn truck. <laughs> where does... um, Where does... Presumably, it's not just by the side of the road or she'd have been found sooner. So where does... Where does he uh, it was literally pretty much a couple of metres off the side of the road. Really? She, she was... um. She was basically, she was covered in like undergrowth and things. Uh, and she, but like, so she was a little hard to see, but the lorry driver saw her from the road. Wow. Yeah. Um, she was fully clothed except for her shoes and underwear. The latter had been folded underneath her, suggesting sexual assault. Oh my God. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, she was killed. So it was really hard to identify the time of death, but a rough estimate is very shortly after she was kidnapped. Yeah. So it's pretty much like kidnapped, sexually assaulted, Same day. Kill. That really fits Black's MO. Yeah. He, in all of his murders, he kills them the same day he abducts yeah, them. Yeah. He's not one assume. of those that keeps them yeah. around. Well, based on Black's driving schedule and the location of the body, mm. uh, it is assumed that she remained alive or dead in Black's van for over 24 hours. Still, though, that's not too long compared to other yeah, serial killers other, who like to keep prisoners. I mean, Badella, the very first episode, yeah. Robert Badella would keep boys for, like, months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Torturing them. Um, so, uh, Black's third victim was his youngest victim, uh, a five-year-old Caroline Hogg, who disappeared in August 1983. Hog with two Gs. Yeah, that's my cousin's last name. Yeah. Yeah, messed up. Um, so, I, I don't think this was his third victim at all. Serial killers escalate. Uh, they give themselves allowances and the gaps between murders get smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. But the gap between one, his victim, his first victim and his second victim was six months. The gap between the second and third was over a year. It could have been his cooling down period. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I know I agree with you that like his cooling down period, uh, a lot of serial killers have cooling down periods between their second and third because the first one, they do it and they freak out. It's a long gap. And then the second one, it still like sustains them. They don't mm -hmm. need to satisfy this urge for a longer time and then it slowly speeds up. That's like their cool down period. I know that. But I think the sort of boy who is incapable of being in a care home with girls in it for a couple of months That's without true. frequently exposing himself and sexually assaulting a girl and the fact that he's been he's lived in like four different homes including his lodgings where he's been kicked out for molesting girls he can't control himself that's very true I actually don't, fair point i do not believe that he is like just taking a break mm. he's driving all over the country he's seeing everyone nothing has changed about his life i think there have to be more um so caroline hogg was taken from outside her home in portobello edinburgh during the day and her parents reported her missing when she didn't get home at 715 and because a boy said she had he had seen Caroline with a man walking away. Right. The search party that looked for her 
was the biggest search party in Scottish history. Really? I don't know if the record has been broken since this time, but at the time, it was absolutely the biggest one it had how, ever seen. How many people? Over 2,000 volunteers wow. looked for Caroline. That's something that's so sweet about yeah. the investigation of kidnappings. The whole country comes together. Absolutely, yeah. Um, they went out to look for Caroline, but they found nothing, unfortunately, even though it's such a big one. The information the police had was that the numerous witnesses said they had seen an unkempt man described as furtive looking, like secretive, right. watching Caroline as she was playing. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. One witness said she heard Caroline reply, yes, please, to an unheard question and followed the man into the local fairground. Mm. The man then paid for Caroline to go on the carousel and they left. A witness said she looked frightened as they left. Really? Yeah. On July 18th, 10 days after she was abducted, Caroline's body was discovered 310 miles where she had been kidnapped. Let me guess, it was on his delivery route. Of course, absolutely. But only 24 miles from where Susan Claire Maxwell had been found, his second victim. Really? Yeah, so very close. This suggests connection, which we come on to in a second. The general time of death was impossible to really tell. Insect activity suggested that the body had not been moved since it was put there on approximately July 12th, like the day she had been kidnapped, which fits his MO. Um, The day that, and after he was caught and it was discovered it was him, the day that Black had a delivery to the nearest town where the body was found was the same day he kidnapped her. So it's assumed that he uh, killed her on that day. Yeah. Um, So after this, the police in all these areas uh, where the girls were found and abducted from all agreed that the person who killed Susan Claire Maxwell and Caroline Hogg were the same person. Uh, Cardi's murder, the very first one, would be connected, but not for a long time. Yeah. Because it was buried in a different place. Um, That's the Northern Ireland one. the one in Northern Ireland. Uh, These were the police's assumptions, and they're pretty fucking spot on I love when this happens I love, the Tell police me. did great in this genuinely it, the police it. did amazing um, the, the whole case they did a fantastic job uh, due to locations they suspected the killer was a delivery driver yes which required him to travel around Northern Ireland and the Scottish border of England yes uh, both girls were found with sexual assault which means it is likely the killer had prior sexual assault charges now tick, tick, tick. they were right about that but obviously as it was admonished mm-hmm. there's not it wasn't it was quite hard to find that yeah but it, they were still right uh, but you, no, but there was also that one where he served a year for the. Um, oh, absolutely! The oh my girl. god, how did I forget about that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah he served a so year in a that. My god, yeah, you're absolutely right. Check, check, check. Absolutely. Um, so the next one is due to the location and the assumed vocation of the killer, uh, they were almost certainly a killer of opportunity, mm-hmm. as they would not be in the area long enough to case a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, based on the day of the week that the girls had been adopted, which was a Friday it is likely that the killer was tied to a delivery schedule as this was a work day. Yeah. Um, They're so smart on this. They've done fantastic. So the police contacted delivery companies all over the UK that had routes like this. Well, primarily Northern UK, Southern Scotland. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't yield any results, unfortunately. It's just too big. Yeah. You know, Um, this is, this is awesome. I love this. Now, although that didn't yield results, the police, there was complete transparency and cooperation between all of the police departments in the different areas. Heck yeah! That Just just to clarify for anyone who doesn't know this, like any time you read through serial killer cases, so often the police don't cooperate with different um, sort of areas. Yeah. The police of one state will not cooperate with the police of another. They will be very opaque. Because they want to be tra- the ones yeah. to solve it or because they don't know that it's relevant because they haven't, you know, because exactly. they don't 
communicate on a regular basis so they don't know a similar crime was committed just one state over, They just et do not cooperate. And it is so fucking refreshing to see a case where all the police, eventually more than six police precincts would be involved in this investigation mm. and they were all like open. Should we, just, should we just take a moment? Good job. Clap over. <laughs> um, also, this is why, this is, uh, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but I think this is really interesting. Uh, this is why the case is actually really notable. Um, because this was a high-profile case, the police decided to use a database, a new database, which collected all the information about certain types of crimes and categorized it. Ooh, I love it! This was the first of its kind in the UK. Before, the, before this, they only had physical card filing. Mm -hmm. um, this what, system... What was it called? Uh, yeah, this system was called the Home Office Large Major Inquiry System, or HOMES. Oh, I like as that. As in Sherlock Holmes. There's the... Um homicide investigation technology system or something like tracking system and that's the one in this in the states and it's called hits so it's like we got a hit yeah you know, there's another one like. which i can't remember which is to do with crime solving which is um the acronym is watson oh there's i like one that homes and Watson. i, I like that awesome. a lot so yeah this home system collected all the information and categorized it into types of crimes with searchable criteria for specific factors or similarities between crimes this meant like information about Caroline Caroline Hogg's murder could be accessible to all the police who were investigating it. I love this shit. So this database wasn't like crazy useful in this case, as in it helped, but it wasn't massive. Mm. But because it was so sort of, uh, it was a very high profile case, it had a huge part in making it a universal system spanning the entire UK which meant that the investigation into Robert Black actually meant that during the investigation, many unrelated crimes, including abduction and child abuse, were all solved. Oh, that's fantastic. Massive. So Caroline Hogg case was huge. So what you're saying is Robert Black is actually a hero in this story. Yeah, he's the hero. Should yeah. we have another really weird clap for him? I retract clap. that clap. I retract that clap as well. Um, so uh, the Caroline Hogg case was all over the UK and it was important because the home system is still used today and the case was instrumental in its conception and implementation. It's Woo! like super useful. Right. I just sidetracked there. I've I got so much British pride right now. Yeah, I know, right? We did good. Um, so moving on to the fourth victim. Um, uh, on the 26th of March, 1986, he's 39 now. Uh, the 10-year-old Sarah Harper disappeared from a suburb in Leeds when she went to buy bread from a shop less than a minute from her house. Whoa. She was seen alive by two girls who saw her heading into an alley on her way back from the shop. Oh, honey, no, never go down the alley. Never go down the alley. When she hadn't returned, her mother and her sister searched the streets and then notified the West Yorkshire police. Again, same as the other victims, there was a huge search party spanning a huge area in West Yorkshire. But again, they didn't find anything. But what they did find is inquiries into like different witnesses uh, different witnesses and testimonies. They found that a white van had been in the area that Sarah Harper was abducted, very similar to a previous crime. On the 19th of April, less than a month later, Sarah Jane's body was found partially dressed, bound and gagged, floating in the Trent River near Nottingham, which oh. is where Lux and I went to university. Yeah. B bound and this is new, bound and gagged. Yeah, That's this new. this is new. Very clear escalation. Jesus. Trent River, though. Woo, clear. Nottingham. Yeah. Go Nottingham. Yeah, I mean. Meh. I mean, bad timing, <laughs> but yeah, go Nottingham. Um, so um, the autopsy showed she was killed only a few hours after she was abducted, which is quite, you know, mercifully. Um, the cause of death, like Cardi, was drowning and there were signs of sexual abuse. Mm. 
A witness said that approximately 9 p.m. on the day that um, she was abducted, they had seen a white van with a stocky balding man parked close to the River Saw. Right. Which is the river in Leeds. Yeah. The police realized that Harper's killer had traveled on the M1 motorway, given where the body must have been dropped, so they contacted every service station or rest stop in the M1 in the area. Heck yeah, they did. Unfortunately, one oh. station noted a van that matched the description and seemed out of place, but couldn't give a clear description of the of the driver. Right. So after this murder, the police linked this to the same killer as Maxwell and Hogg, and a massive nationwide manhunt began. Uh, six different police forces were involved at this point. Mm-hmm. They received a psychological profile, but it wasn't hugely helpful. They received it from the FBI. It wasn't massively helpful. It literally looks like a how to be a child murderer for dummies book. Yeah. It was like reclusive, close to 40, unkempt, lived alone. I mean, it's it's all correct. It's all true, but it's like, you know. I think what's more useful is the one you were saying before with the, oh, he, tra- he travels oh, for a yeah. job. Because that's but... like tangible way to catch yeah. a person. So um, this is his last crime. Um, we knew about the, between the previous murder and what I'm about to tell you, there was an attempted abduction of a teenage girl named Teresa Thornhill in, in Nottingham. Ooh. But aside from that, but she survived. She got away. Nothing really happened. Yeah, she did. We link it to her, though, because of the description and the MO. Aside from that, we don't have a record for any crime for four years since Sarah Harper. So he uh, was on the loose for four years. I very much doubt that he didn't do anything in that No, time. but he was un... Because obviously they we had... We have no record. Yeah, so they had was fine this idea of, of a balding man in a white van. Yes. And then that was lost for four years. It went cold, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, we have no information about that four years. I highly doubt that he just sort of sat around and was just like, ah, I'm not going to murder any girls. I've had enough of that. Mm. Um so on uh, the 14th of July, 1990 in Stowe, which is a town, again, South Scotland, a man named David Herks was mowing his front lawn when he saw a transit van pull out on the side of the road. The driver got out and appeared to start cleaning his windscreen. This driver was obviously Robert Black. As Black was doing this, the six-year-old daughter of Herks's neighbour walked past the van, which was between the girl and Herks, so the van was blocking his line of sight. As Herx bent over to pick up some loose grass, he could see under the van and he saw the girl's feet lift off the ground. Oh my God. He stood up and he saw Black hastily hopping back in his van and driving away. Oh shit. Herx was like, yeah, oh fuck, I just saw an abduction. And he noted the license plate, ran into the girl's house to tell her mother what had happened and she then called the police. Within six minutes, the police had arrived and were already interviewing everyone. And literally as Herx was describing the van... It, the van appeared again, driving towards them. And Herx was like, that's the fucking van. Shit. So the police like stu- stepped out in front of the car. It had to swerve. It stopped the van. They handcuffed the driver. Obviously, it was black. He was driving back past the area. He had just abducted a girl with the girl still in the back of his van. Oh, my God. This is like movie shit. Right? Yeah. The father of the girl was the first person to get back into the van. And he found his daughter in a sleeping bag. Wrists and legs bound, mouth gagged, and a hood tied over her head. That must have been terrifying. She was alive, of course. Yeah. No, no, but he's walking in and seeing yeah. what could have happened. It's horrific. Well, Black had driven away with her and he had sexually assaulted her, yeah. Before driving back to the area to make his final delivery, before almost certainly killing her. This ties into the idea that it was a murder of opportunity because he saw her before he'd even finished the delivery. Yeah. And he had to drive back past the house to finish it, but he just like jumped at the chance. So it wasn't really thought out. No. 
Uh, one officer in Stone noted the similarities. So he's been caught now. He's in jail. Oh, he's in he's in jail waiting for a trial mm-hmm. for this attempted abduction. Uh, Stone noted the similarities between this girl's abduction and the abduction of the three other child killings and notified the leading detective on the entire case. Uh, this detective travelled from Wakefield to Edinburgh just to interview Black. They had their interview, and this detective left with a strong feeling that this was the man he'd been looking for for eight years. Wow. That must have been yeah. such an exciting time. Yeah. Uh, Black's van and home were searched, and they discovered huge amounts of child pornography, items of children's clothing, and ropes, plasters, and hoods. That's pretty fucking condemning, yeah. isn't it? He was tried for only the kidnapping of the girl from Stowe, because uh, they couldn't link him to it yet. Mm-hmm. And he was given life in prison for her abduction and sexual assault. Nice! Yeah, good. Uh, while in prison, he was interviewed about the deaths of the other girls, but he wouldn't confess. So, this is crazy. In 1990, he goes to prison. Right, This is just a bit of follow-up. He's in jail for life now, but he could get out when he's, what, 65? Because it's 25. It's yeah, life, it's 25, but he could get out with good behavior. He could be out by the time he's mid-50s. Right. The police came up with a ridiculous amount of evidence. Uh, They had witness testimonies of seeing him near where the bodies were buried. All of his delivery records, which matched matched perfectly with the murderers. The place that he had to stay, which was extremely close to where the two girls' bodies were found. They checked with Black's company, which paid for petrol, and he had to sign for it. They found his signature and used it to pinpoint every single place that Black had stopped for petrol, which again matched perfectly with the murderers. And they had... So much more. Uh, so in 1994, four years after, Black then went on trial for the murder of Maxwell and um, Hogg. Um, so he had been presented with all of this evidence, a huge, 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 huge amount of circumstances. Which can I just say again? Absolute well done to the police there. Um, so now, although the police had no actual forensic evidence to link Black to the murders... Uh, On trial, after deliberating for two days, they found Black guilty of all counts of murder, child abuse, and kidnapping. Fuck yeah! They did that because the circumstantial evidence was so mountainous Mm. that they were like, they couldn't ignore it. Even though the defense had a forensic scientist go on the stand and say, mate, they've got no forensic evidence, they still got a conviction. So he's already been in prison for life, and he became a Category A prisoner who's been given fewer freedoms in prison. Okay, good. But uh, in 2009, 15 years after the last trial, he was summoned to Northern Ireland to be tried for his very first murder of Jennifer Carney. Oh. 28 years after the murder took place. Vindication! Exactly. Some evidence had been discovered over the North- after the Northern Irish police searched through 560,000 petrol receipts that Black had given to his previous employer. Wow. 560,000. Unbelievable. Um, so a forensic scientist uh, when he got taken to trial for this a forensic scientist pointed out that all of the forensic similarities between Cardi's murder and the one Black was convicted for so and the one uh, the murders that Black was convicted for um, they, he described them as remarkably similar Black was eventually found guilty of this murder sexual assault and kidnapping as well and finally like the family were given closure you know after yep. 28 years that's so important it's insane um, while in prison uh, so he'd been given, I think it was a total of four entire life sentences. He's not getting out. Yeah. Um, while in prison, as I'm sure you're well aware, they are not big fans of paedophiles. Oh, they, oh are, they are not. They aren't anywhere, but especially not in prison. So one day uh, in prison. Wait, 
Did he get murdered in prison? No, no, he didn't. Oh. This is just an event. This is just a sh- to make me happy because he's such a terrible human being. Some inmates threw boiling water mixed with sugar on him because sugar has uh, gets very, very hot, so it's mm-hmm. worse than boiling water, uh, before stabbing him in the back and the neck with a shiv. Take that, you pedo. Yeah, he, yeah, absolutely. He survived and he had some superficial wounds, but he was okay. Uh, he never admitted to any of his crimes. He served his multiple life sentences before dying of a heart attack in 2016, aged 69. Hey. And on a high. Um, so, last thing. While the investigators were trying to collate all the information so they could convince the Crown Court that there was enough circumstantial evidence to justify a trial, as they did, they compiled a dossier, a physical dossier of all their information. Guess how much it weighed? The weight of all of the papers, documents, receipts, everything they needed to get enough circumstantial evidence to justify a trial. 70 kilos? 22 tons. That's like seven cars. Oh, no, what? no, that's not. Sorry, that's like seven trucks. What? That's like 19 cars. What? Yeah. That's how much evidence they had. That's how much evidence you need when it's all circumstantial. Shit me. Yeah. Right, so that's my story. It was a really long one. I'm probably going to have to cut a lot of it out, but I think it was amazing. I, I think this guy's story That was incredible. a great story. Yeah, right. That ending when he was captured, literally like a movie. Yeah, it was insane. Right, so Shit. we need to move on to your guy. Yeah, so my one is going to be a bit different. I'm going to tell you about the crimes and then about the guy. Okay, Whereas okay. usually I tell you about the background. Yeah, yeah. So, some of you know, I recently went skiing in France in the Alps and I thought, <laughs> I was on a ski lift and I thought, this would be a great place to hide a body. <laughs> because there is so much of it that you just can't get to. There's so much of it that is snowed in a lot of the time. And when it isn't snowed in, it's a river or whatever. You, you get the picture. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about bodies. So I looked it up. And there is a crazy recent case. As in, it's in court right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. But this is how it starts. Okay, okay wow. Awesome. So from the area that I was in, so the Alps. Your stories are very up to date recently. Yeah, do you mm, love it? I'm very impressed. Good. Um, so in 2011, Jean-Christophe Morin vanished from the elevant, not the elements, the elements. Why are you smiling like that? <laughs> Just like, you, it's so obvious you speak French. Jean-Christophe or something. Well, I'm not going to go Jean-Christophe Morin, am I? Good point. That's not his name. His Good name point. is Jean. Jean. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he vanished from the Elements Electronic Music Festival near the Alberville Ski Resort. Or Alberville. 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 Whatever. Um, anyway, so he vanished. He just went missing. Okay. Same festival, one year later, 2012. Ahmed Hamad vanished as well. Okay. September of 2012. This is a case that a lot of you might know. They covered it on My Favourite Murder, like at least a year ago. I'm thinking it's a good two or so years Mm -hmm. ago that they covered this, so you might recognise it as well. There was the Al Hilly family. There was a British family on holiday in the Alps. There's a mountain road near Annecy, which is near where I was. Awesome. Um, And Sad Al Hilly and his wife Iqbal and her mother, Sheila Al Alaf, they died as a result of an execution-style shooting. Jesus. There was a cyclist on that same road. His name was Sylvain Molière. He was shot as well, execution-style. There were two children in the car. There was a seven-year-old who suffered serious head injuries from being pistol-whipped, 
and there was a four-year-old who survived by hiding underneath her dead mother's skirts. Oh, my God. Yep. So, due to the execution-style murders, the investigators expected that the killer had military experience or firearms training. Mm -hmm. This will be relevant later. I understand. The girls are now both living with family members back in Britain. They're all right. Safe and sound. They're fine. So, there is a child death later on in this, but those children are fine. Okay. So, that is good. Okay. Then, so, that was 2012. Then we jumped to 2017. April 12th, Arthur Noyer... Oh, actually, I don't know if he was French, so maybe just Arthur Neuer. I don't know. <laughs> Arthur Neuer. He was a 24-year-old soldier, and he went missing. He was last seen hitchhiking, hitchhiking in Chambéry after leaving a nightclub. His skull was found by a hiker in early September of 2017. Okay. Wow. July 2017, 24-year-old Belgian chef, Adrian Morialme. You're having a lot of trouble with names. Well, the thing is, okay, so these were these were Arabic names, the Saad Al-Hili ones. And then Fair. I don't know if Noyer was French, so I don't know whether to do my accent. Fair. And then I don't know whether Adrien Morialme was French either. Fair. Because there's not a lot of information on these people. I understand, I understand. But he was a Belgian chef who worked around Lake Annecy. He was a Belgian chef, like you could assume it's similar to French. No, Belgian is different. Yeah, Well, no, because Belgian, they speak French and Flemish. But I don't speak Belgian, so I don't want to... Belgian isn't a language. What? No, it's French and Flemish. And Flemish is essentially Dutch. Oh, I'm a fucking idiot. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's no way I'm cutting that out. I'm leaving that Yeah, no, that's fine. My geography is incredibly bad. Mm. Anyway, he went missing near Lake Annecy, a picture of which you can see, which I took from the plane on our Instagram. Mm. Mm. Okay, then we've got the 26th of August, 2017. Around 3 a.m., eight-year-old, again, Mylise de Arujo, I'll just say Mylise from now on because I don't know how that last name works. She went missing from a wedding party. The DJ announced she was missing and the guests searched for an hour before alerting the police. This is the case that gets it all going. Okay. So it's an eight-year-old. She goes missing. DJ sort of announces to the whole wedding party and the whole wedding party searches for I mean, her. Kudos to the wedding party. Yeah. So everything stopped and they all went looking for her. The investigation into Miley's disappearance involved pol- police interviews of over 250 wedding guests. Local volunteers aided the investigation by searching the wooded area. Like nearby, any yeah, wooded yeah. area. Main suspect was 35-year-old Nordal Lelande. He was taken into custody on the 3rd of September 2017 because traces of Miley's DNA was found in his car. He was charged with kidnapping, abduction, and arbitrary detention of a minor under 15 year, years old. Okay. There was no body, so there is no murder charge. But he is suspect numero uno. Yeah, yeah. And his, her DNA is in his car. Okay, yeah, yeah, I understand. So I'm saying the scene here, around Lake Annecy, around the French Alps... People a lot are of just murders vanishing. People are just disappearing. There's no bodies. They find one skull. Well, no, no there, were, there were the bodies of the people who got murdered execution style. Well, yeah, but I'm saying the people who vanished. Were oh, okay. Found. The people who vanished, no bodies, nothing. Yeah, and okay. then they, there's the Al Hilly murders and the French cyclist, mm-hmm. and who the fuck knows what happened there? Yeah. So let's talk, talk about this this suspect, um, Nordal Lelande. His background is he was born 18th February in 1983 in Bologna. Bilancourt, I think, 
Otto de Seine. He grew up in the small village of Domessin in Savoie. Mum, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry if I pronounce anything wrong. My mum's the French one. Yeah. I'm so sorry, mummy. She'd be so upset. She would be so upset. Anyway, he's... Hi, Catherine. Oh, speaking of her, actually, she she remembers hearing about the disappearance of Maile. Wow, that's crazy. I was telling her about this case and she was like, fuck, I know that case. Jesus. Yeah, but she didn't know about any of the other... Yeah, yeah. Not that they're connected or anything. They definitely are. um, So you grew up... um, and was remembered by neighbours as being a normal teenager, keen on hunting and fishing, never finished high school. Guess what he signed up to do after high school? Army. Yep. Gun training. E- oh, military oh, experience. I understand. Okay, I'm following you. So he joined the army I'm in 2002. I'm smelling what you're selling. <laughs> um, 2002, he joins the army. He's 19 years old. He worked as a military dog trainer, which kind of sounds awesome. I He's a dog trainer for a living. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, But he was discharged from the French army in 2005 due to psychological problems and drug use. That's not a good combination. Also, there's a pattern with serial killers that we've seen, which is going into the army because you're like, yeah, guns, yeah, killing, and then getting discharged. Yeah, a lot of of serial killers go into the army going like, literally, as you said, Mm -hmm. in almost exactly the same cadence, yeah, guns, yeah, awesome. (laughs) And then they get there and they realise it's not guns. It's not just guns. Mm. It's like discipline and teamwork and scouting areas and dealing in like community and trying work to kill and dealing with people. The f- the least amount of citizens as possible. Yeah, a lot of the time. It's that. So they go there and then they get really sick of it and they start taking drugs or they start stealing ammunition. Yeah. You know, it's the same with a lot of people. Yeah. Anyhow, um, he finds himself back in his hometown and he tries to establish a dog breeding business, but the company goes under and he goes bankrupt. And from then on, he does odd jobs and he can't seem to hold down a long-term job mm-hmm. for, for the rest of the t- this time until he gets captured. He becomes known for petty crime. Duh. Standard. And drug trafficking. And he frequently watches porn. Uh, duh. Yeah, you're ticking a lot of boxes for someone who would be a serial killer. What would be the next box, Sam? Uh, arson. Heck yeah. Yeah, nailed it. 2008, he spent a year in prison for arson because he burned down a snack bar. Man, it's literally like, uh, wait, a snack bar? Snack bar. Oh, man. What did we, they ever do wait, to him? Wait, we had, my last guy in the previous full-length episode picked up a sex worker at a snack bar. Snack bars, they're where it's at. Serial killers are just drawn to <laughs> snack bars. <laughs> they just love some snacking. That's crazy. Um. Anyhow, Um. yeah, in 2012, he begins work as a driver. Hello. Linking our cases. Oh, yeah, nice. Right? Um, His boss said, at first it went well, and then he became unmanageable, aggressive, and scary. He tried to fire Lalande, and he threatened to set his company on fire. Oh, dang. Yeah. So this guy just gets out of prison, gets a new job, new opportunity, becomes violent, and then it's like, I'll set your place on fire. I'll set your place on fire. Yeah, that's better. I was (laughs) like, normally I'm the one who does the accents, but you're... You're doing the French ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only accent I can uh, do. Oh. Anyhow, this is the bit that, again, checks a box, but also I think, obviously, an eight-year-old girl has been abducted. That's very creepy. Mm-hmm. This is the bit that creeps me out the most, because although there's been an abduction of an eight-year-old girl, and usually that's quite emotional, this I find just... It's like I was saying about the planning thing. I was telling you oh, yeah, that yeah. when people are planning for abduction and planning for murder, that creeps me out more often than the actual thing. Oh, for sure, yeah. So his ex-girlfriends, do you want to guess how they describe him? Violent. Oh, yeah. A- angry. Oui. 
Very temperamental. We oui. switching moods and things. We oui. yeah, manipulative fair. and a liar. There you go, boom. We we we. He physically and psychologically abused these girls before and after they broke up. But the after is the specific, like particularly creepy one. Mm-hmm. He would track them and he'd follow them in his car and tried to hit them with it. One of his exes said that he'd taken her to the woods to explain herself. So she'd broken up with him and he'd abducted her, taken her into the woods and gone, explain yourself. Oh my God. She thought she was going to be killed. I mean, you would. Yeah. I'm surprised she wasn't. Okay. He killed, uh, no, he didn't kill, <laughs> he didn't kill several of his exes. Several of his exes also claimed to have been filmed without their knowledge. And Lulande was posting that footage online. Oh my God. So he's like tracking his exes, filming them through their windows, trying to hit them with his car. Blah. Man, he's literally like ticking all of the boxes. So fucking creepy. Jesus. So when he gets, so back to the, the present investigation, um, he is a suspect of Miley, um, and he denies having to do anything to do with her disappearance, right? And then they tell him, they found, we have found your DNA on the dashboard and in the boot of his, of his, his car. We've mm-hmm. found this stuff. And he goes, oh, um, well, she, well um, she did come into my car, but it was only to pet my dogs, and then she left. And I'm like, bullshit. I just want to clarify something, guys. Lux is terrible at accents, but that French one is spot on. It's because I'm French, man. I'll literally say to, uh, to Lux, like, I'll oh, do an Indian accent, and you'll be like... I'll just do a French just one. <laughs> do, just do a French accent, and I'll just be like... You tried, yeah, fair, but oh, spot on, mate. Thanks, babe. Um, but yeah, so he they, they they say to him, "Look, we've we've got this DNA evidence in your car," and he's like, "Will she pet my dogs?" And they're like, "Bullshit." Um, the evidence was found despite the fact that he'd been caught on a car wash camera cleaning his car for over two hours the morning after Miley went missing. That's suspect. A little bit. He cleaned both the inside and the outside of his car and did so with such strong detergent that two police dogs fell seriously ill after examining the car. Oh my God. Yeah, I bet He's that trying upset to hide him. something. He As is... a dog breeder, I bet oh, that upset yeah. him. He is trying to hide something. Oh, he definitely is. No doubt. But when asked why he cleaned the car so thoroughly, he goes, oh, I was planning on selling it. Fuck off, was he planning on selling it? Mm. There's also video footage of him driving away from the wedding. Now, while he's driving away from the wedding, he puts his phone on airplane mode. And only when he comes back to the wedding does he turn it off airplane mode. And they're tracking. Yeah. There's, so there's this video footage of him leaving. If you enhance this video footage, you see, quote, a small, frail form in a white dress. Guess who is wearing a white dress? The girl who was abducted. The girl who was missing. Miley. Yeah. Jesus. And oh, guess man. what wasn't in the footage of him returning to the wedding party? Uh, his dogs. Yeah, his dogs. No, no I'm joking. Good girl. No, yeah, my, uh, basically this white, frail form. Jesus. Yeah, so he returned to the wedding 39 minutes later. So there's 39 minutes of his phone on airplane mode and mm-hmm. him leaving and coming back to the wedding. So, with all this evidence, he confesses. I don't know what made him confess. It was probably just him realising that they had so much on him that it was probably better for him to just say, look, I did it, all right. Well, if you you assume you're going to get convicted, it's better to plead guilty, just in general. Yeah. Um, So Miley's remains, unfortunately, um, she she was killed. They were found on the 14th of February, 2018. Oh, my God. Yep. When Lulande, after admitting to killing her, 
led investigators to the area where he disposed of her body. He told prosecutors that he'd killed her involuntarily. So he hasn't admitted to murder, but he's gone, all right, you've got enough evidence. Yeah, I did it, but I didn't do it on purpose. Oh, so he's trying to get manslaughter. He's trying to get manslaughter. So he said that he hid the body near his home and then he returned to the wedding, which is gross because at the wedding, when the DJ announced that she was missing, everyone in the wedding party looked for her. So I'm assuming he was there acting worried, talking to people and looking for her. Yeah. Which is... For certain, also, that would be the best cover. Mm. Yeah. Um, He then put the body in the boot of his car and disposed of it, quote, in a small, extremely remote ravine. It took the the gendarme a whole day to find the body using Lalande's instructions. Mm -hmm. They had to, like, clear snow out and everything. It was so remote. So that's, you know, again, I was on on this ski lift and going, it's going to take so long for anyone to find anything out here. Yeah, of course. Um... So he's being held. Um, he's been held since the 16th of February 2018 in a psychiatric unit in prison in Bron, just outside Lyon, which is really near where my family is from. Mm. Now, so that's the end of that one. But do you remember Arthur Noyer, the 24-year-old soldier who went missing on April 12th, 2017? Yeah, and the cyclist and the family. How and, are they connected? And the Belgian chef. Well, soon after... After Arthur Neuer's disappearance, Lulande had Googled decomposition of a human body. Yeah, well, I do that like all the time. Well, I mean, investigators found that Lulande's cell phone had been in the same area at the same time as Neuer was. Lulande's black Audi was also identified in the area by surveillance cameras. He admitted to giving a lift to Neuer, but denied any involvement in the killing. So, in the 21st of December 2017, he was charged with the murder of Arthur Neuer. Oh my God. 29th of March, 2018. Whoa. What? Yeah. That's like two weeks ago. He confessed to the murder. Oh my God. He is suspected of being involved in up to 15 unsolved cases. The investigators are pretty certain that they have a serial killer on their hands and that all the other cases that I mentioned are linked to him. It's like the family being shot Oh my God, the, the Belgian cook, was he the one who he confessed to? No, that was the um, soldier that he right. confessed to. Wow, but yeah, there man. is the Belgian chef. There's the two people who went missing from the uh, Elements Electronic Music Festival. Whoa. Yeah, so they are pretty much certain they have a serial killer on their hands. They are reopening all of these investigations spanning from 2011 um, onwards and they are looking into everything and oh presumably God. if if he's going to keep up with this pattern presumably they'll find some damning evidence bring it to him and then he'll confess man that's crazy also i have actually heard of the story of the family being killed yeah um a lot because, of people yeah, have. yeah it's because it's a really good story but also a lot of people's theories were that the 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 father was involved in a lot of like oil business and was quite a shady dude Ah, uh, I remember that. That there was like quite a lot of conspiracy surrounding that case, wasn't there? Yeah, loads of conspiracy. Um, but basically, it's like it's really interesting because like now that's completely out the window. Now it's this random thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like a guy, but, but it's still, serial killer, killed him. It is still possible that he didn't do these other ones, especially because unfortunately, the Al Hilly family. I think they shouldn't get their hopes up too much because the MO doesn't fit. Yeah, it's a gun. There's no hiding of the body. Exactly. Yeah, I, I understand There's that. no, you know, there's not a kill site and then a burial site or anything. Yeah. It's So I'm sceptical about that, but it's exciting that there is new evidence that could lead to... Yeah, that's insane. Like, 
all these deaths yeah. that seemed unrelated and then suddenly boom serial killer yeah that's amazing what was this guy's name um oh gosh it was um nordal that was it nordal lelandia man that's amazing yeah so um you, you're gonna have to keep people on twitter and stuff like updated yeah yeah no I'm, i definitely certain, will since this is happening now you know next week there might be another update yeah 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 i mean Apology, I know that doing recent cases means I can't do much psych background. I can't do, you know, there's not, they tend to confess later on and then yeah. do interviews. So we don't have any of that. But it's insane that literally where I was this time last week, there's a, a, was it was where a serial killer was operating yeah. and confessing. And yeah. all of this is just insane. crazy. You find when researching current cases, a lot of the time there's a lot of information on the trial. Mm. And not a lot on the background. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of information on both either, actually, because um, so far it's it's just been, oh, he confessed because the police said they had this evidence. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's actually gone to trial yet. Yeah. It's just information on his confession yeah. and the evidence that the police have. That is outstanding. Yeah. That's crazy. Took you on a little journey with my words there. Yeah, it was fantastic. I thought I thought that was a really interesting story, and it's lucky it was quite short because mine was way too long. Mm. Well, the thing is, that's what you get when you look at recent, yeah, recent crimes. But it's amazing, you know, the fact that it's happening right now is, makes it so much more interesting. Mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this case pans out, and hopefully, some of these families will get closure from just. I mean, it's been seven years since the first guy went missing, mm. and they haven't even found a body, let alone the culprit. Yeah. So hopefully, some people will be getting closure very, very shortly. Yeah. Right, so that's it. That's our stories. I, I understand you have a... Lux, Lux has a shout-out. I do have a shout-out. So on our Twitter... So I manage our social media accounts and I usually just tell Sam what's happening on them and he's like, oh, that's cool. Because I don't have a life and Sam does, so I have more time to do this. Uh, <laughs> but basically, there's this one person who I really wanted to say thank you to because they pretty much like and retweet everything we do. And it's just so heartwarming because, you know, it's kind of awkward when you put a tweet out there and then there's no response to it and you're yeah, like we're just starting out and like the support from this specific person is really lovely it's really nice it means that even if only one person has liked a tweet it's not a tweet that's out there that's just has no response you know which is kind mm -hmm. of it makes you feel kind of weird so um this person's twitter handle is brobinson um 436 or it might be bro binson i don't know i think it's the initial b and the last name robinson oh my god you're you right you thought this person's last name was brobinson yeah. All right. Okay. You're completely correct. It's probably B. What, Robinson. What? I don't know if I'm correct. For all I know, the last name is Robinson. So, I mean, you know, thank you, that Twitter handle. And please let us know your name. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm 90% sure it's probably Robinson. B. B. Robinson. So, thank you, Robinson. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Robinson. <laughs> Brobinson. <laughs> You're a real bro. Binson. That's so bad. My God. Um, Should we stop then? Yeah, let's, let's wrap up, man. Let's <laughs> That's wrap it up. from us. Uh, I've been Lux. I've been Sam. You can follow us on Killing It Crimecast on Instagram, Killing It Crime on Twitter, and you can email us at killingitcrimecast at gmail.com. Terms and conditions apply. Why are you doing that voice? Because I'm know. an asshole. Fair enough. Right, guys, we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Goodbye.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.